Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. The show was always hobbled in some way. Uh, Mentally, with Ari around. I was doing some... Uh, Physically, with Adam around. Sure. You're in a bubble! So get out of the bubble, talk to real people. There's no less healthy show in the country! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go to Tuesday. Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here as the company, Finley Toyota Studios, and Ari is steering the ship. Really interesting day. A lot of Raider stuff to get to. Do we have some trades on the way? What's going on with the offensive line? We'll talk to our NFL insider, Miles Simmons, a little later on. I'm actually going to make the case today that uh, this is like utopia for the Raiders compared to previous years because we're starting to see issues come up in training camps all over the league, and really the Raiders have no issues, and they could have some issues with contracts, and you're seeing it starting to blow up around the league. It's the three on Cofield and Company. But first, the crime blotter. And these are always very complicated stories to cover. Uh, if you missed it today... And I'm sure you have more details on maybe the time of this ordeal. But we saw around noon, Metro comes out with a report that former Raider, media darling, media mogul, <laughs> a lot of endorsement deals for Marshawn Lynch, was picked up down by LV Boulevard and Wyoming. Suspicion of DUI was arrested. From there, I don't have many more details. I think this is a developing story. Yeah. And these are always very thorny issues because we've seen with some current Raiders, like Nate Hobbs, right? He had issues down on the strip. He also had issues driving at excessive speeds away from the strip. We know Josh Jacobs had his incident at the airport tunnel. Arnett, Damon Arnett's a you know a, a long gone memory, but still sort of fresh for a lot of people. Like, why was he here? And then the rugs thing is the worst thing ever. So yeah. with all of that. We don't know a whole lot about this DUI with Marshawn Lynch. What have you heard? Yeah, I mean, not much. As you said, the the police sent out the statement that it had happened. The reports kind of surfaced on social media, so they just confirmed that the incident had happened. As you talked about the the area, for those not familiar, it's kind of just north of Stratosphere, uh, so kind of between Las Vegas Boulevard and Dean Martin uh, area. Not a whole lot going on there, but I think if you look at where the map is, he could have been either on Las Vegas Boulevard or Dean Martin turned off uh, and where he was where he was caught. The mugshot's out. Look. The mugshot, again, not to be <laughs> I uh, mean, photo experts or Doc Cofield, the mugshot is not a good look. Put it this way. I've had the mugshot sent to me by several different people that are very prominent in the sports world in other markets. They're like, what is this? It's, it, uh, it's not to make light of the situation, Matt. obviously. The mugshot, it, if you needed probable cause to search Marshawn Lynch or to test him, you got it. I it's, tweeted it's, out. It's I crazy. tweeted out the Marshawn Lynch mugshot, and I said his attorneys have some work to do. Yeah. Now you know. He, listen, not to sound like overly defending Marshawn Lynch, we all can take bad pictures. You can take a picture where your eyes are closed. His eyes are basically closed. Can you get a mugshot thrown out? It, like, is that part of the evidence? Like, we'd like to block this mugshot from being seen in the courtroom. I'm sure they would like to do that. It's probably the first step. Now, it's, it's so, of course, not to joke about it because we know there's been tragic implications of. DUIs all over town. Certainly, we've experienced it uh, in our personal lives, but um, you know, it, it around the league, we know firsthand being around Henry Ruggs from last year. Like there, there are very serious repercussions that can happen from these situations. So, awful, awful thing to do. 
we are thankful as far as we know. Marshawn wasn't hurt. Nobody else was hurt. That's all. That's what we know for right now. And it's a lesson for everybody. You know, Marshawn Lynch is fun, and we love talking about him and being silly. And last, you know, a couple of years ago, he did that interview about how much he loves being in Vegas and what he likes to do in Vegas. That doesn't look so great now. Uh, but for right now, we hope that this is just a you know an incident that happened. It'll get sorted out in court, and um, we can move forward from it without having any lost lives, which is the best thing. Can we move forward from it? Not and, from the, and, not and, from the picture, and that's the problem. No, not the show, Vegas. Because that is going to be a topic again. Yet another NFL player or someone tied to the NFL, a former player, has run into some trouble in Las Vegas. You're right. We, we have to continue to defend ourselves against this. And I listed a lot of the situations. I didn't mention Alvin Kamara, which is still – that one's unresolved. I mean, from what we saw in reports, it was a pretty nasty beatdown, allegedly, with him and his friends. We mentioned all the other cases connected to the Raiders. There, there are still a lot of people. You know what's funny? I listened to Sal Palantonio this morning on Dan Patrick, and I will never forget of course not. Sal Pal coming on when the Raiders were given to Las Vegas and the ESPN national reporter talked about, like in a panic, was hyperventilating on the air. They could not believe a team landed in Vegas. Now what? All the problems. And you and I both were like, Ah, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous, right? Yeah. And I'm sure behind the scenes, he's like, see, I told you. And yet, how many times have we done stories on Golden Knights, Las Vegas Aces, UNLV football and basketball players getting in trouble in Vegas? It ain't happened that often. Not since I've been on the air. And I'm going on locally 18 years. And so it, that that's the other angle here. Is this is this a Vegas problem, or is this an NFL problem? Because I I told you on air, like angrily about hey, you know, to, in response to Sal Pal, oh Vegas is going to be a problem. No, you guys might be the problem. Your league coming here could be the problem, not necessarily just us. Sure, and I've I've done some research. You're going to be you're going to be shocked by this number. In the NFL, zero arrests outside of Las Vegas. Is that right? All no time? NFL player has ever been arrested outside of Las Vegas. So clearly a Las Vegas problem. But I, I also Dripping with sarcasm. I also want to make clear, as we've kind of talked about, this is, an, this is a situation that it does happen everywhere. And it's also, let's, let's not pretend like the NFL is this massive problem that society is, does not have. This is 90 guys, mostly between 20 and 29 years old. And the the arrest rates, the trouble rate, lower than it is in the general population. Like, that is still a fact. So, like, when you do get carried away, people are like, oh, Vegas, NFL, all these other things. Yeah, look at, let's be real about what is going on in the world and realize that it's not a Vegas problem. It's not a NFL problem even necessarily. And this isn't even an NFL player. It's a former player that just happened to be here. So I hope those narratives don't take off, but you know they will. Amazing, you know, that's why we do it. You know, that's why I joined this team. The coaches, the players, and the fans. The fans love their team. They love the Raiders, and um, I'm excited to go out there and get my best and uh, do everything I can to help this team win games so that the Raider fans can be happy. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Voice of Deron Harmon brought in, longtime veteran, 
spent a lot of time with New England. So McDaniels and Ziggler know him well. So he's excited to get out there. He's going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, and one of the reasons they brought him in, not only are they familiar with him, but he's a character guy. And we were just talking about, and I guess this will be connected to the Raiders because he's a former Raider. He's also a former Seahawk. Uh, Marshawn Lynch got picked up today for a DUI here in Vegas. And the mugshot's not real good looking, so that's going to go super viral. And again, Vegas will take a beating. This is somehow our fault. There's too many vices here. Guys can't control themselves. Now, that all said, we don't know all the details on this. So we've seen DUI cases in the past. Once real attorneys got involved. In particular, David Chesnoff is great on these things. So I don't know what Lynch was doing. I don't know what he was under the influence of, allegedly. So we'll see if we get more information, but Vegas will take a hit for this one. But I was saying 10 minutes ago, uh, the month of August, late July, so far for the Raiders, compared to past years, has been unbelievable in terms of drama-free. And they've got some contract situations. Jacobs and Waller and Perriman want contracts, but everything's been handled pretty nicely. It's been a pretty smooth camp. And I know it's one of your favorite questions to Derek Carr basically like every two weeks, and I'm not getting on you for it, but if you really think about what that dude had to deal with over the years, it's pretty freaking incredible. So McDaniels is here, and I think one of the places that is going to have some drama this year is New England. We saw a story come out about three days ago. Mac Jones is not off to a good start in camp. Not comfortable. And one of the stories I don't think that has really been covered a whole lot around the country when it comes to the NFL is the influence Josh McDaniels had as the second with the Patriots organization for years and years and years. Did he make chicken salad out of chicken? You know what? With Mac Jones on the heels of Cam Newton, right? He did a lot. It's, you know, especially in Belichick's case, when you're a defensive-minded head coach, and then you can just go, you know what? That whole thing is yours over there. Now, the problem is, it's not all McDaniels because Belichick was deciding on personnel, and the personnel has been dropping. But this is really interesting. Like, it is believable that Mac Jones working with who right now? Is it Joe Judge? Is it going to be Matt Patricia? Uh, Her talked about this the other day. Uh, listen to Coward. Just talk about kind of the Patriots' attitude and where they are right now, and maybe they're digging themselves a hole they can't get out of. And this organization now, in an offensive pivoting league, they just don't have any playmakers. They brought in Devontae Parker. That's not going to solve it. He doesn't separate from anybody. And, I, and here's why it's arrogant, because you have Mac Jones in his second year. There are limitations to what he can do. So what he needs is support and help. New England, we're going to use a defensive coordinator as an offensive coach, Joe Judge, a special teams guy. Yeah, he'll call plays too. It's by committee, and the stories are out that Mac Jones is not comfortable. Well, why would he be? Makes sense, right? That he's having yeah. trouble adjusting? Yeah, and you mentioned McDaniels. I, I think it's, it's very, very important to point out that in most cases, when coaches leave Belichick's staff to take jobs, Belichick doesn't allow them to take anybody with them. Good point. And in this case, McDaniels took a lot of people. He took a lot of people off that staff. And so, I mean, that was, in, in, in people, if you remember the time, 
people say, well, this is a clear sign. Belichick is close to the end. There's no way he would have allowed McDaniels to take all these guys. Well, maybe he just lost a little bit of the sphere of influence too. And maybe, maybe he didn't have the authority anymore or the respect around there to stop them. That's possible as well. So those things are all to look at. Now, I also think we should point out uh, maybe it's just the influence that Belichick has on the media, but today this is the greatest offense ever assembled. All the reports today were saying that the offense, well, the offense, they're incredible because all the reports the last couple of days have been how bad they oh, were. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, so oh, ha- oh this happens God. other places, not just Vegas? Sure. The offense today, good Lord, look how good they oh, were. Oh, my God. Dominating practice. Uh, here's a little more on Hurd, and I, he rolls in, you know, why they are where they are and mentions Tom Brady. You know, arguably Brady could still be playing in New England, right? He could still be there. And this is why Brady left. Everybody's too smart. They know their own stuff. We do it our way. Well, your way's not working. You're a 500 team that cannot force Josh Allen the last two years to punt. Forget beating him. You can't force him to punt in any game played against Josh in decent weather the last two years. This is, we're not going down the Josh Allen path. I just um, they beat him by three last This year. is go time for Belichick. It really is. Because he's hitting the skids a bit here in his transition, and he's also running into the bad luck that you've got teams on the ascent from the bottom of the AFC. You've got a loaded top. And when you look at it, we've talked about the AFC title odds the last couple of days. We had a, a video out the other day where Willie and I were discussing Chris Collinsworth saying 13 teams from the AFC can make the Super Bowl, and you know people were getting on him. Saying that's just, you know, blather. And I was like, you know, he's kind of right. I'm not going to write off if things went really right for, say, the Patriots and Steelers. They're the 12th and 13th teams on the odds board in the AFC. You know, it's a long shot, but they could actually make it. But now I'm I'm more apt to believe what we saw a couple of days ago, that Mac Jones is struggling and that there's some weirdness because they don't have an OC and that their offensive genius is gone. Lombardi is gone. The guy who helps judge and assemble talent, the GM, is gone. He mentioned, hey, let's scoop up Devontae Parker. Wow. <laughs> right? And then Belichick's big offensive additions last year were, let's get two tight ends. All right? Like, if this this is this would be the rich man Bears, but the Bears are another one of those teams where you're like, wait, you have Justin Fields. You see what other clubs do with young quarterbacks? Can you help Fields and Mac Jones? Will you get him some freaking real weapons? It's hard as hell to achieve in this league as a quarterback early. Yeah, no question about it. And they they invested, as you said, in some tight ends and a lot on defense. And I think Bill Belichick almost got so to the point of, hey, offense is taking over. Like, we, I just mentioned the game last year. They want every game in snow. They want to win every game 9-3. Yeah. That's what they want. That, that game well, that they beat Buffalo last year, that's what they want. The... Like, while the 80s Giants were a really good story with Parcells and Belichick, I don't think you can win with Phil Simms, Mac Jones guys at quarterback. Yeah, well, like the at, the high, at the highest level. What was it the 2002 Ravens? Is that the year? Yeah, with Dilfer. <laughs> That's what he wants. Yeah, and he doesn't. I mean, the Patriots defense is good. It's not an all-time great defense. The two teams we just mentioned are probably top 10 defenses of all time, the Giants and the Ravens. Yeah, but I think he almost – it is – I mean, you mentioned the word ego. It, it's the ego of – 
oh, this is what the league is now. Watch what I can yeah. do. This is how good I am. Watch what I'm I can do. I'm outsmart everybody. Yeah. I'll, like, I'll go back. I'll turn the clock back, and I'll win by dominating okay. on defense. All right. <laughs> and then we were just talking about drama-free Raiders camp. Raiders have guys who want long-term contracts, right? But they've stayed quiet. They've been good soldiers. Clearly, there's been good communication between management, agents, and players. And then you go to Cleveland. And while all of this is going on, the waiting game on Deshaun Watson, the backup running back, who is awesome, and Kareem Hunt absolutely should be on a good team and be the number one running back, and my guess is, with health, would be a 1,500-yard guy rushing and receiving. He's awesome. But what bizarro timing three days ago, sitting out a couple of days, he wants to get a new deal. You're the backup freaking running back. Uh, Rap Sheet was on with McAfee, and even like Rappaport's just like, this doesn't make any sense, and it's not going to work. I would be surprised if somebody traded for Kareem Hunt. And it's not just because, you know, he has the, all the stuff in his background, which is how he ended up getting cut by the Chiefs and going to the Browns, and not everybody would want to take that on. It's also like not a lot of people pay running backs. It's even worse value to trade for a running back and then pay him. So my guess is nothing happens. He made his stance. He tried. It, the Browns have not come out publicly and said that they find that they would find him. But if you're sitting out team drills and then suddenly two days later you come back in team drills, I'm gonna guess somebody said something to him that said like, "Hey, dude, you should probably be involved in this." So it looks like it's gonna be status quo. Um, and also, like, if you're the Browns, like, running backs get injured. They don't have a quarterback, dude. If you're both healthy. Like, I think Nick Chubb could get 325 carries. Hunt might get 200. They're going to run the ball. They need you. And and Rappaport's exactly right. No one's trading for Kareem Hunt and extending him because you know why, Kareem Hunt? Because you're Kareem Hunt. Like, I, I think guys are just like, oh, oh, why? Is there a problem signing me long-term? Yeah! You're the bat. You, dude. Well, this case, guy, this guy, this, I mean, I don't know if they would have paid him. Think about how awesome the Chiefs offense has been the last few years. He was with the Chiefs. Kareem yeah. Hunt was with the Chiefs, but he was videoed like kicking some girl in some weird fight in a hotel, you know, fourth floor by the elevator. Like, bro, you are where you are because of who you are. I mean, I agree with all that. And I, I also agree with the philosophy of not really paying running backs. Right. That's my thing. So I, I wouldn't be paying him, but. At the same time, if you want to talk about background, he all he has to do is be, hey, the guy that's in the huddle with me, you just guaranteed his contract, like. Wow, but you, but you know the difference is the positions, of course. Yeah. But uh, but to, if anybody wants to talk about background, yeah. he can say, well, this is the same team yeah. that just guaranteed the Deshaun Watson deal. What do you mean by history? That was years ago. So this you're right. Is current. So you're right. I don't feel bad for the Browns because now they've you know they've already now they've messed up the house even more with Deshaun Watson and all his allegations and and again to the team uh you know what you brought in Kareem Hunt can be a pain in the ass so what it's a shocker that he has no self-awareness or clue of what's going on with the team and hey trade demand like what what are what and to your point of of needing them to run the ball early uh they'll also probably count on their running backs especially Kareem Hunt to catch the ball when you can't throw it downfield when you have no quarterback early right. in the year right. so kind of important to have them out there your pass catching back would be kind of important when you have Jacoby Brissett in there. Chubb and Hunt combined for uh, 110 targets. 
in six weeks. <laughs> yes. Right. The first six weeks of the no, season. Yeah, no, the, the, the 525 carries, that was actually the first six games. Yeah, of course. That'd be a little high, but I guess you're not going to carry the ball on an average probably, of, of 85 times probably a Probably what they want to do. Yes. They probably, love it. What they need to do. That yeah. would be the dream that they could hold on to the ball and just run and win. Of course. What a mess. <laughs> We're going to do a Raiders opponent preview, which I guess ties in in, in a sad way with Marshawn Lynch. We're going to talk Seahawks in about 15 minutes. But on the way back, uh, can we... Try to unravel what happened at Oklahoma football the other day where one of the assistant coaches apparently just picks up an iPad, reads something on a kid's iPad, uh, drops some racial slurs, I guess. This sounds like the most BS story I've heard. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to put out the details, but there's a lot of confusion on like, wait, a 19-year assistant coach just got fired for reading something off of someone's iPad? What? The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. I think the, the most important thing is for them to get out there. You know, when you're going against your guys consistently in practice, it's really good to go against another color to kind of really see where you are and where you're going to what. If the things that we're trying to get them to do, can they apply? Can they actually show up on tape? And so for them, these are the things that coaches are trying to tell me that I can actually see why they're trying to drill that and instill that into me and why it'll allow them for the next game, hopefully, to take a next step. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Raiders D-line coach uh, Frank Oakham, who making a career for himself now, right? Assistant coach in the NFL for a while now. These are not easy jobs to keep. They're not. No. I, I know a lot of people, former NFL players, who wanted to get into coaching, and uh, you got to get a break, and they got to make sure you stay in the fold. And same thing on the collegiate level. Listen, Kale Gundy... Mike's brother, Kale, played at Oklahoma. He was the quarterback, uh, I think it was 90 to 94, something like that. So he's a Sooner, right? And he's been with multiple coaches over the years, 19 years on the staff, and something weird happened on Sunday where, I don't know, did you think the explanation made sense? Which explanation? (laughs) That's that, and that's the thing. So Gundy got fired. He comes out and he says, today, with great anguish, I announced my resignation. I owe it to Sooner Nation to be transparent about what led to the decision. Uh, last week, during a f- uh, film session, instructed by players to take notes. I noticed the player was distracted, picked up his iPad, and read aloud the words that were written on the screen. The words displayed had nothing to do with football. One particular word that I should have never, under any circumstance, have uttered was displayed on that screen. In the moment, I didn't even realize what I was reading, and as soon as I did, I was horrified. Venables, the new head coach, right? Remember Lincoln Riley's gone. Said about Gundy. He knows what he did was wrong. He chose to read aloud to his players, not once, but multiple times. A racially charged word that is objectionable to everyone. All right, they weren't on the same page because one guy, the guy who read it, is like, I said it and I was horrified immediately. And then the head coach is like, he said it twice. So, of course, now you start to go into, like, what the hell happened here? The daughter of Gundy said something to the effect of, uh, well, this is weird because, you know, Venables told the players to keep it quiet. So what's the real story here? You know, the truth will come out eventually. 
it's it's I mean the whole thing's bizarre because obviously we not knowing the extent of what actually happened or seeing what actually happened. Yeah. It's tough. I firmly believe context is everything all the time. Yep. And the the people that have stood up for Gundy? Yeah. Definitely leads me to think that I mean th- that it's not just a strictly him like being a bad person or saying something racist on purpose. It seems like there is a lot of support from a lot of people that have been around him. Not like, hey, I, I met him a couple times. He seemed like a good dude. Right. Like the people that are there with him every single day that are African-Americans or minorities of, of some sort all swear by this guy. Yeah. To get fired over the spoken word seems a bit harsh. Again, we don't know what happened. Uh, Willie Ramirez yesterday tried to go down the path of uh, maybe where they were just like rap lyrics uh, on the iPad. What if he had a song up and it had the N with the A at it? So he said, oh, let's see what you're reading. Let's see what you're doing. You're a part-time rapper or something, whatever. Who knows? We don't know. What if it's a a Damon Arnett kind of guy or a Max Crosby kind of, or Darren Waller who writes raps, and he's going, okay, let's see how good you are. And he started doing... Pretty good. Very good. As he said yesterday, he's got the flow. Have you watched the new show on HBO, Rap Ass? Have you watched Rap Rap Blit? No. You haven't watched it? I, I will. Oh, my God. It's so tremendous. By the way, this is the song on the show. What if What if Kale Gundy just started reading this straight out? Pretty good, right? Not that many edits. The, I mean, the beat was better than Willie's beat. Are you sure? I mean, de- 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 uh, like I don't even know what that was. Uh, the Vast Sound Crew actually mixed, tried to help out Willie with some backing music. Okay. That's a hit. He's got the flow. Willie needs to be on rap, rap s. You gotta watch the show. I'm going. It's very to. good. Well, I mean, starting today, I have a show, so I'll right. have to wait till after. I know you go in for one show. What if so? Th- there is a chance Gundy. I mean, could have ha- could that have happened? Oh, a hundred percent. That was my first thought when I heard it. Like, I don't think he would. Would he read? It sounds like he read a lyric or a note or something. That seems like it's confirmed by everyone. My, my other thought was it was just maybe it was a maybe the, the the kid in question was having like a DM conversation with someone. No, oh, that's and what was, I'm saying. And there were some cusses in it. No, I was saying he read a lyric or a poem or a note yeah, or he was yeah. reading something that somebody had written. And then Venable says he read it twice, so maybe he read it and then did it for effect louder. I mean, right. this is all speculation, of course. And we're gonna find out eventually. But it's another one of those l- weird language violation stories where we really don't know the true details of the story. And a guy has lost his job. So, little drama at Oklahoma. By the way, do you think Venables is going to just roll along 
and be 10 win guy at Oklahoma? Sounds like he's not off to a great start. I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Let's talk Pete Carroll. Let's talk the Seahawks. Think Pete Carroll is just going to roll along right back to a nine or 10 win guy? Because I don't, and I actually don't think that's the goal this year. It's time for Cofield and Company's Las Vegas Raiders opponent preview. Let's break down the Raiders versus the Seahawks. Let's go! Yeah. Uh-huh. You know about the team. Everywhere we go, it's blue and green. Uh-huh. We the next up. Going hard for my squad. Seahawks. Holding it down for my city. If you with me, scream. It's Seattle, it's Seattle, it's Seattle, it's Seattle. I like that. It's very catchy. Sounds like something else, but... Feels like a Pittsburgh song, but is that Chuck Rabbit? Could be Marshawn Lynch. Okay. Cofield and Company. Chuck's always walking into some firestorm. <laughs> I feel bad for him. KJR, he does a morning show. We got a lot to talk about with Seattle as uh, the Seahawks are in town. Uh, what Thanksgiving weekend? Essentially, check that. Raiders are on the road up there on eleven twenty-seven. Chuck, how you doing, buddy? Yes, that was me rapping. Uh, from my picked up, uh, taking classes. I'm pretty good at it. Humble, I like it. Yes. Very, yeah, very humble. Well, to be a good rapper, yeah. you have to be, you have to be, you know, egotistical a little bit about it. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. That's yeah. one thing I learned at JUCO. Are uh, John Snyder and <laughs> Pete Carroll humble? Uh, no. Okay. No. Yeah. No. I think they're very uh, confident in their abilities, and I think there could even be a situation where they might not be entirely on the same page, but that's me. That's just conjecture on my part. I don't have any insight into this, but I kind of think John Schneider is confident. I wouldn't say arrogant, but confident enough that he wanted to re-break this organization and build it again the way he did once before, and that meant let's get rid of the quarterback and let's get rid of the money and let's get some high draft picks and let's get this get some speed back on defense. And so I think that that's where his over confidence comes from. I don't know if we go to cockiness or what, but I, I, I don't mind cockiness in sports. I think you kind of have to have it. Yeah. I'm so I think he has that. He has that confidence that he can do it, and, and I think that he's okay. If you gave him some truth to him, if this team went three and fourteen and he right. got the quarterback of his choice next draft, where Pete is like, okay, I'll do your plan, but we don't have to go three and fourteen. We can win a Super Bowl doing it. Ooh, <laughs> and, no, and that's 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 where his confidence Ooh. comes in. That's where his cockiness comes in. I'm not going to put any limitations on what we're going to do this year. Uh, we are planning on winning this year. It doesn't matter if somebody wants to call it a rebuild. Well, does, I mean. I don't feel like you can do both. I guess Pete Carroll believes that you can, but is that just his age kind of getting in the way and saying, I don't have time to go all the way to three and 14 to rebuild. I think it's just that. And you guys know about this. He has a famous optimism. (laughs) And so I think Pete realizes that this needed to be done. I think the organization wanted to part from Russell Wilson for more reasons than just his football play, but that was a big part of it. They legitimately and publicly announced, we don't think he's a $50 million quarterback, and that's what he's going to ask for. So the football reasons were certainly there, but I think they were a little tired of Russell as well. And so when they decided, hey, we're going in the new direction, 
It might cost us a few wins in the in the near future, but it'll get us where we want to go again quicker. And so I think they both agreed on that. So we're we're with that. We're going to move forward with this idea. John has not weighed in on what he expects out of this season, but Pete is. This is just the eternal optimist. Hey, we got talent. There's no reason we can't win this year. Let's go make the playoffs. And so I, I'm not sure if it's the you know, it's him sitting there saying this mesh shirt looks good on me. Like he's <laughs> fooling himself, you know, uh, or if he's just, that's him. Like, Hey, we're going to take the field. Our idea is to win. We're faster this year. Uh, we could get decent quarterback play. We think we can run the football. The NFC's weak. Hey, why not us? Why can't we win the division? I just think that's the way he operates. And I think it's actually very infectious. Doesn't matter if the country rolls its eyes at it. It's Chuck Powell from KJR doing our Raiders opponent preview, the Seahawks, uh, on November 27th up there in Seattle. You talked about a new direction for the franchise. What is that new direction? I think we all assumed it was Drew Locke. Is that a sure thing? No, not even close. Oh. He's not even number one on the depth chart oh, right now. It's Geno Smith, and boy, do the theories fly around about why. <laughs> I mean, uh, we just entertained a couple today, um, one being that you know, that John really does want 3-14. and 14. <laughs> So they're going to go with Geno uh, so that he can get the quarterback he actually wants next year. And then another theory was that Pete wants to beat the Broncos in week one and Russell with Russell's backup. So the, the theories are, are flying around. I, I think that they want Drew Locke to get the job, but... They're operating as if Geno is the guy right now. The Geno Smith will be the starter. And, of course, every day on our show at KJR, I mean, the conversation is about the plan. They keep talking about, we have a plan, don't worry. And we're like, well, what are you talking about, a plan? I mean, there's been one way to conduct a quarterback battle in the history of football. Everybody agrees that you share snaps, first-team reps. If they're clearly in a quarterback battle, then they need to get equal reps until one separates one from the other. That's just not been the case. Geno's been the starter. Drew's been the backup. And even when they played in their mock game on Saturday and Drew Locke outplayed Geno Smith, they went back to practice on Sunday and Geno was the one and Drew Locke was the two. So I don't know what the plan was. I don't know what the psychology is. But the bottom line is that right now Geno Smith is the leader in this quarterback battle, even though most people believe Drew Locke is the better quarterback. So we don't know the plan. We don't know the quarterback. <laughs> what is the ceiling? I mean, we, we talk about the two kind of divergent beliefs from the GM and the coach. In your mind, what is the ceiling for this team? Um, I, I'll put it this way. I like the direction. I like the decision to – to move on from Russell. I think it was time to do that. And I don't think rebuilds have to last any more than two to three years in the National Football League. If it takes you three years, you don't know what you're doing. Um, And so I I think that they can get back on track. Like I said, sometimes the shorter distance between, you know, A and B doesn't always have to be a straight line. Sometimes you got to circumvent. I think they're just kind of circumventing. Even if they have to take a step back, this is the right direction uh, to go. And I think you're going to see a young, fast defense. I think that this rookie draft class 
has been all the talk in training camp. And so it's, I, I think they're going to end up with a really good draft class out of this. And I think that they'll start winning again sooner, you know, probably by next year. Um, my, but I think that they might screw up the plan a little bit by winning a game or two more than they probably should this year because the NFC is down. They might end up going seven and ten this year, where it might behoove them to go five and twelve and get the better draft pick versus seven and ten and miss the playoffs by a game. Uh, but I think it's the right direction. I just don't think this year is going to end up in the postseason like the Seahawks are trying to preach. So I guess the obvious name in the draft class would be their first round pick, Cross. Beyond that, who are you fired up about? Who's look good? Kenneth Walker, the third, the running back, the second round pick out of Michigan State is just uh, uh, we have our insider, uh, and he studies more film than ten, any ten people on the planet, uh, Hugh Millen, and he's like, I don't think it's out of the question he could rush the 1,700 yards this year. So that's, that's, that's far more than I would predict. But I have predicted that Kenneth Walker III will end up being the leading rusher on this team. So he's turning heads. The cornerbacks have been the talk of camp. The fourth-rounder, Kobe Bryant. The fifth-rounder, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen was drafted as maybe the most gifted athlete in the entire draft, and yet the worst football player. Drafted like <laughs> like the talent's all there at six foot four with four two speed and you know ridiculous arm length. The talent is all there, but he doesn't have the first clue on how to play football at UTSA. And yet he's made so much progress. He's absorbed so much between off season programs and before they can even play the preseason game. Right now he's on the he's running with the ones as the right cornerback, starting right cornerback. Part of that's due to an injury to Sidney Jones. But he's running with the ones right now. That's how much progress he's made. So it could end up being it could end up being a really good rookie class. I liked it at the time, but there's no denying that they are creating the most buzz at this camp. And so um, maybe maybe Pete can do this. Maybe he can't get into the playoffs. He's certainly not going to win a Super Bowl this year, but he may get his secondary back that he covets that you know having an elite secondary he might get that back uh you know within the next couple of years based on some of the reports we're getting about this secondary seahawks by the numbers by the vegas numbers which you know are available lots of places now over under win six overs plus 105 i'm going over i'm going to say seven and ten i want to say seven and ten and i don't think that i don't know if that helps whatever they want to call it, whether it's called a rebuild or a reset or whatever. Uh, I think it would probably behoove them, as I said earlier, to go about 4-13, and 5-12 this year. Don't be a laughing stock. Don't be the worst team in the NFL. You've got the Broncos' first-round draft pick as well, so you could package those together and move up in the draft and still get a quarterback that you really love to build the franchise around going forward. But I think that they're going to end up being – a pretty good team in the run game. And I think the defense is going to be better than what we've seen the last few years because it's just going to be younger, faster, and more hungry. And so I, I think they're going to screw around and win a, a game or two more than they probably want to and probably go 7-10, and 6-11, and 11, somewhere in that range. That would be my prediction. But I'll go ahead and take slightly the over at 7-10. and 10. Will they beat the Raiders on November 27th? What do you think of the Raiders? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. And 
I, I mean, I think the Raiders are a better football team than the Seahawks on paper right now. And then, you know, I like all the weapons that Carr has. I'm thinking about stealing them late in my fantasy draft. Uh, but they're going to be in such a difficult division versus, you know, the Seahawks might not be. Other than the Rams, I mean, the Cardinals might not be as good as they were a year ago. And I'm not sure the 49ers are going to be close to as good as they were a year ago. So there's a, probably an opportunity schedule-wise that the Seahawks could end up, you know, as I mentioned, 7-10, and 10, where the Raiders could be a lot better and end up being a 9-8 and eight football team because they're in such a brutal division. So the records might not be that different, but, uh, yeah, I would say for sure that the Raiders are a better football team than the Seahawks right now. Talking about the Seattle Seahawks, KJR Radio is a morning host. Chuck Powell. All right, I can bet a lottery ticket, right? A long shot on the Seahawks. I can bet the NFC West to win it's 15 to 1. Make the playoffs. Simply make the playoffs is plus 450, so four and a half to one. Coach of the year, Pete Carroll, 40 to 1. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Uh, make the playoffs. That would be the bet that okay. I would take. I think the NFC is really down this year. Uh, the AFC is loaded, and, the, and you might see like a. Eight and nine team make it out of the, make it into the playoffs in the NFC. So I don't think it's entirely out of the question. I wouldn't make any of those bets, but I wouldn't say we entirely out of the question that they somehow sneak in there because of the NFC being so weak in comparison to the other conference. One of the weird bets they're offering on about ten different NFL teams is head-to-head wins, win totals against college football teams. They actually have Seattle. Matched up against Oregon State. Oregon State's a slight favorite. They both have the same win total, <laughs> six, but obviously one's going to play 12 games, one's going to play 17 games. So that, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't know if you guys talked about it. Just a real quick point, too, on college football. Uh, did you guys mention the uh, Wazoo deal they got for the quarterback, the $90,000 NIL? Oh, yeah. It's been, it's been discussed, yeah. And, and believe it or not, they're entering into the season uh, trying to pose it like a quarterback battle up there. Ooh, okay. Please. Well, come on. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> someone better play if they're going to get their, their 90000 All right. The other, I know you, you like uh, looking at the future. You like looking at prospects. Uh, the Seahawks do what they're supposed to do, right? The Schneider plan. Don't freaking win nine games. Win six or less. Get a good pick. Who do you want as yeah. the future quarterback? You know, I, I'm not sure yet. I, I think somebody's going to emerge. I'm not as sold on Stroud and Young as most people are. Uh, but I'm, pro- I know I'm in the vast minority on that. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know who I've got. I don't, I'm not sold on the ones that everybody's saying you need to get, or you want to move up to get. And those would probably be the, the two young guys, the, uh, Stroud and Young. So I, I mean, I watched them play a little bit. Maybe it's the inexperience, but I just don't think to myself, face of the franchise, you know, this is worth a rebuild kind of quarterback. I'm hoping for Seahawks' sake that somebody does emerge that way. I'll know him when I see him. Uh, but uh, right, right now I don't, I don't have that guy in mind. Maybe Stroud shows me something different this year and wins me over. But obviously, you know, it's supposed to be a much better quarterback class, and so um, they'll probably be in a position with not only their pick but also the Broncos' pick. They could probably – move up and, and get uh, one of the top two, three picks uh, in the draft, they're in a good position to still end up with whoever does emerge as the top quarterback talent. Chuck, you're awesome. Glad you're doing well. Thanks for the time today. 
All right. Thank you for uh, listening to my rap music. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Emerging rap star, Chuck Powell. Yeah. There he is. Chuck from KJR in Seattle. Four o'clock hours on the way. We'll get to the football frenzy. We'll get you the uh, UNLV football practice report. And NFL insider Miles Simmons up in 15.